0: My friends welcome to the connected families podcast i'm your host stacy bellward our purpose in this podcast is to guide you to receive god's grace and truth and then to equip you to pass that grace and truth onto your children i'm so glad that you're here today You know, one of the things that sets connected families apart is that we work to make scripture practical for parents. The Bible is our sure foundation it's the first place that we want to consider in our teaching. So it's our overarching perspective. And then we incorporate brain science to develop practical parenting tools for everyday life. The combination really very much sets us apart. Well, today is part two of a series where Jim and Lynn, co founders of Connected Families, and I discuss the gospel message in the Connected Families Framework. The gospel and our Christian faith is integral to the Connected Families Framework. So, in part one, we talked through the first three layers of the framework. And today we are going to the top layer, which is the parental action of correct, which communicates to your children the message you are responsible for your actions. So with that, welcome Jim and Lynn. Hey, good hey, to be Stacey, here. Hey, Stacy,
1: Good to be with you.
0: <laughs> yeah, here we are again. You know, we kind of got sidetracked because we recorded that part one quite a few weeks ago. We were, Lynn and I, we were working on a little bit of a project, weren't we, Lynn? <laughs> Absolutely. We just got done filming Sensitive and Intense Kids. That was our big project. But we are back to finish this conversation because we believe it's very important.
1: Yes, we do,
2: Stacy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Jump in with an agreement faster. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, it certainly is an important topic.
1: In the context of the framework we teach, the, the level of correct really is where we get to introduce in just a very blatant, clear way what the gospel of restoration and reconciliation is.
0: Yeah, we're here today because we want to talk about that layer of the framework in the context of sin and our sin nature and parenting and how parents are to view all of this. And we get questions about that from parents, particularly at that last live Q&A when parents have gone through Discipline That Connects and we're answering specific questions on this level. And there are parents who are trying to parse out, is my child's behavior right now, is this sin? which then it seems like they're saying, I need to come down hard on it. Or is it not? And I need wisdom. So I think that's a question in parents' minds that we want to answer today. But before we do that, and that's going to get woven in throughout all of our conversation, let's do just a little bit of recap, because we covered the first three layers of the framework and how the gospel is integrated within that in part one. So let's just take a minute or two, because everyone's going to be able to go back to that. We'll have it referenced in our show notes. But foundation. What difference does the gospel make in our parenting when we have an accurate understanding in the foundation level?
1: The foundation is where we grow to understand and we keep growing to understand all our lives who we are because of the work of Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. at the cross. And so if we are separate from God because we have not yet repented of our sin and turn toward God and ask forgiveness that was made available to us by Christ, then that's the starting place. And then once we've decided to do that, once we've become repentant, the Bible tells us we're new creation. That's a hard thing for parents to grasp. It's a hard thing for people to grasp. And so the work of the foundation is really then a, a lifetime of learning and growing in what does it mean to be this new creation? How do I bring that to my parenting? How do I bring that to all my relationships so that I begin to spill out the new creation that's in me because of the work of Jesus, Jesus is planted in me now. And how do I share that part of me with the world?
2: And it really is just an acknowledgement of I'm going to struggle in parenting and my sin is going to interfere, but this does not define me. What defines me is I'm a precious child of God and I still struggle with sin. When I blow it as a parent, it's not defining. I don't get my value from either my parenting or my kid's behavior. I get my value from my approval in Christ and all the blessings that he bestows on me.
0: That's good. And so it's ongoing work, isn't it? And that's why it has the biggest real estate on our framework. Yeah, (laughs) We like that. Okay, go back to to part one, everyone. We're going to keep going though. So connect, you are loved no matter what. What's a quick recap of what we said?
2: Well, First John 3, 1 is just a great verse. See what great love of the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. As God demonstrates his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's just God's love is so beyond what we could understand. And it doesn't change for us when mm-hmm. we mess up and when we sin. And so to turn and try to extend that kind of unconditional love toward our children mm-hmm. is the mission of the connect principle. Yeah. We
1: receive God's love and then we give it away. And when we give it away, well, the message we communicate to our kids is you're loved no matter what.
0: Love it. That's our byline or what I start every podcast with. Okay. The third level is coach. I love this one. What would you say about that?
1: Well, I referenced it already. You know, the, the essence of coach is, and again, this is a, an act that we as parents or an action that we as parents put in place in relationship with our kids. When we become their coach, we point them to Jesus. We provide practical learning opportunities for them. We teach them the word of God. We teach them, even the verse that I referenced, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. All the old is gone. The sinful yuck that defined me is no longer what defines me. The new has come. The new is the identity in Christ that we're given by the work of the cross. And our effort as parents to point our kids toward that is steeped in grace. It's steeped in Mm -hmm. teaching. It's steeped in intentionality. And we coach our kids for the purpose of helping them to know that they're built in God's image, built to do God's Mm -hmm. purposes, and built to be a blessing in the world.
0: That's really good. And yet, I know from having both gone to and given the discipline that connects with your child's heart online course workshop is that we get to the top of that framework and we say, and yet, although we have parented our kids through all three of these layers, our kids are sinners. They are born with sin and there are times when they will need correction. (laughs) So here we are. We're at the top of the framework. And so I just want to start off. You've already referenced it a few times that we are people with sin, but what is sin Let's define that and just what we believe about it.
2: The basic definition of sin is missing the mark. The mark is Jesus' standard of perfect sacrificial love for God and others. Clearly, when you word it that way, it's like, yeah, you know, even when we look shiny, we're often maneuvering for our own sense of self-esteem, mm-hmm. and pride, and advantage.
1: Yeah, that's that's right, Lynn. How I see it, though, even just in terms of the Bible's teaching to us about sin is that it began with Adam and Eve.
0: Right. Adam
1: and Eve chose to go their own way, chose to disobey God and God's instructions about eating from the tree of life. And when they did, sin entered the world through Adam, through Eve, and it became a part of, you know, for lack of a better word, the DNA of the human race. And so all of us ever since that time have been born into this inclination to disobey God. And then we act on that inclination as children, as infants, preschoolers, and all through our lives, I acted on that inclination maybe as recently as this morning. (laughs) (laughs) And we have now a life of struggle to claim our place as new creations that we've already talked about, and then fight that fight that, that the Apostle Paul talks about against the sin that is resident in us, and to live as new creation rather than as the old creature.
0: And I would just add that that sin brings separation. Sin Mm -hmm. is separation between me and God and brings death.
1: Yeah. The wages of sin, the Bible tells us is death. And the free gift of God is salvation in Christ Jesus.
0: Yeah. And that's the eternal perspective. But I also think, right, it brings death in my daily life. It brings death to relationship. It brings death to my soul, even death to my body, right? Disease and all the things. So let's just quickly define gospel. Who wants to tackle that one?
1: The gospel is a word that means the good news. The good news is that Jesus Christ came to pay the penalty for the sin that keeps us separated from God. Uh, without this penalty paid, without that good news, we would be destined to an eternity separated from God. The good news is Jesus came and paved a way for us to be in eternity with God. God saved from the penalty of our sin, the penalty of our unholiness, and we're given an opportunity through the gospel to become like the person of Jesus Christ, to be formed into the likeness of Christ.
0: That's good. And when we believe in Jesus and who he is, we're absolutely assured enough to change our behavior, then we can experience that eternal life and the life in our daily lives that we receive, the restoration in our relationships, the opposite of the death. that we just described. To me, that is how a definition of sin and then an understanding of the gospel all come together and is really the undergirding of what we believe as then we think about correcting our children. I guess the only thing that maybe I forgot is the new life because that's the layer on top of it, isn't it? Lynn, I know you love this. I love it too. We're not sinners anymore. Once we believe that and we become people who are now like the Holy Spirit that lives in us, right? Jesus lives in my heart. I don't think that's in the Bible, but we love saying that (laughs) Then I am not a sinner anymore. I'm a person who sins, but I am a saint. I'm a precious child of God who still sins.
2: Second Corinthians five, 17 and 18. Anyone is in Christ. He's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And that's the gift. That's the, the wonderful free gift of the gospel. Right.
0: Okay. So all of that sets us up to now tackle the top of the framework again, which is correct. And so I'm going back to that mom who sent in the question and she's looking at her kids. She's looking at their behavior and trying to decide, am I dealing with sin? Is it just a mistake? How do I deal with this behavior different? Take it from there, Lynn. Well, I think it helps to look at family dynamics with more
2: than just an eye for who's the loudest, most disrespectful person. And that must be the one who's sinning. If you really think about, let's take an example of a child who's, they're a little hungry, they're working on their homework, they get frustrated and they start to yell, this is stupid. I hate this. And they might even get so worked up as to say, you're so mean for making me do this. Mm-hmm. Now there's some obvious stressors there that are pushing them to that point. But there's also yeah. an element of sin, they could be more accurate in saying I'm feeling really stressed right now. And I need a break, but they don't they outburst. Sure, but then sure. what might a parent do, they might come in kind of controlling stop that that's not okay. And internally, that parent might be controlling because they're just like fed up as well. And they're impatient and they just want life to be smoother. Mm -hmm. So then enter another parent that criticizes the first parent. And says, why can't you get this under control?
1: Mm-hmm. I bet it's okay. It's yeah, true. Yeah. That was me.
2: Well, and, and then let's imagine the goody two-shoes student child, older sibling, who looks on younger sibling and goes, oh, I'm glad I don't throw outbursts like that. I don't <laughs> like that. And mm-hmm. you can see... There's, there's one person where for sure the outside of the cup matches the inside of the cup. And that's the one that we would probably oh, pin pin yeah. on. But then there's the selfish parent, there's the critical parent, and there's the self-righteous, condescending older sibling. So hmm. it's like sin is an issue all throughout the family. Abounds. Sin, sin abounds. abounds. So it just is helpful to, to be thoughtful about that and not go, okay, that's the loudest yeah a manifestation of sin so i'm going to brand that black negative sinful and all the rest of us are just fine because that's not yeah. really the reality of it
1: yeah, yeah. we get worried stacy when parents work hard and ask questions that that tend to make this an either or proposition is this sin or is this developmental is this sin or is this tiredness or hunger or blood sugar well yeah. the answer is yes those things. Uh, And the the question is, how do we then uh, relate to our children in a way that A, is aware of our own propensity to sin, to act sinfully because of the DNA that's in us that we're still conquering as new creations? Are we aware of that? And then how are we going to help our kids grow to become aware of that dynamic in themselves so that they will be compelled to respond to the good news of the gospel when the Holy Spirit convicts them of their sin in such a way that they realize there is nothing they can ever do to measure up to God's standard for holiness on their own merit. They can't do it. Now, we can try to punish that into them. We can try to lecture that into them. We can try to do all kinds of different things. Mm -hmm. But if what we're doing isn't little by little preparing the soil of their hearts for the seeds of the gospel, and then to respond on their own merit in their own time to the wooing of the Holy Spirit in their lives, then we are missing the mark for training up children in the way they should go.
0: That was good, Jim. We're going to come back to that. But before we head to a break, I just want to thank all of our generous donors who contribute to Connected Families to enable all of us to benefit and learn from this podcast and the other Connected Families resources. So stick around, everybody, because during the break, you're going to hear a powerful story from one mom about how God is using your contributions to instill generational change in her family. I just want to say we did receive a scholarship for Discipline Connect as well. And I just want to first say thank you for the generosity and the hearts that are wanting to invest in the next generation of parents and children. And this work is monumental. This is eternal kingdom work that um, that takes me, who <laughs> grew up in something so broken and can change it to something so beautiful and that my children are receiving such a different family. And and that is no small thing. That is a huge, huge, big glorifying to God eternal thing. What an impact your gift makes. As you make plans for year-end giving, please consider a gift to Connected Families. Go to our website for more information on how to give. And if you'd like to talk through our growth plans, our fundraising strategy, or becoming a strategic partner, request a meeting with our executive director, Anna Brosh. She would love the chance to talk with you about how your gift will equip parents to receive and pass on God's grace and truth to their children. So we're coming off of the break, Jim and Lynn. And right before we went to the break, Jim, you were just sharing about how a parent's role, and particularly how we correct our kids, can make their hearts ripe for hearing the voice of God, hearing the Holy Spirit, and um, His voice of repentance. And so, can you just elaborate more on that? And Lynn, chime in when you want to.
1: Yeah, well, I, I think Stacy, it's uh, parents so often understand or think that it's their their job to correct behavior when their kids are misbehaving and what that means is i'm going to get you to stop doing that behavior or start doing that behavior and and shift so that your behavior changes the way that i want it to like like that's that's the sense that we get from an awful lot of the questions parents ask how do i get my kids to do or not do what i want them to do or don't want them to do and i think what i'm saying is that this isn't about correcting behavior this is about preparing the hearts of our children for an understanding of A, the problem of sin in their lives, B, the importance of choosing for themselves behaviors that are honoring to others and honoring to God, but ultimately about developing sensitivity in them to respond Mm -hmm. to the Holy Spirit's conviction in their lives of both their sin and of their righteousness. The Bible doesn't say the Holy Spirit's job is to just convict us of sin. It's, it's also righteousness. Are we nurturing in our children uh, an attentiveness to the words, to the work, to the truth, to the grace, to the love of God for them?
2: We focus a lot on Galatians 6, one, as, you know, as a, as a template for how parents can respond. It says if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the spirit, what an important qualifier, live by the spirit. And it's just before that, it's talked about the fruits of the spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourself or you also may be tempted. And that's just such a good challenge to parents have our goal be restoration. Mm-hmm. To, you know it's like the the mending of a broken bone or helping a child onto you know the right path but watch yourself that you may be tempted that's what i was talking about is we can have this subtle desire to have shiny looking kids or to have an easier life that infuses our discipline unless we really lean into god's perspective of i want for my child the fruit of knowing the goodness of your conviction of sin and restoration of them with repentance. Mm -hmm.
0: I love that verse, Galatians 6.1. And I actually was looking in the Discipline That Connects workbook today. Jim, you wrote just a wonderful devotional about that passage and how it starts off with a list of serious sins. They're there. They're in our midst, right? We know that. We already established that. And yet, The next section then is about life in the spirit. And that's what you just referenced too, Lynn. And I I think about that. It's like, here's the tools so that you can come to your child with that final verse that you just read, which is restoration for those people who are in sin by the spirit. So what is the spirit? It's all those fruits of the spirit, which you name them so well, Lynn. I think you have them all memorized. What are they? The fruit of spirit is love, joy, peace, patience,
2: kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I think you've got goodness and kindness backwards backwards from each other.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I always feel nervous I'm going to miss one. And so I don't want to start. And if I knew I had to get it right, I think I'd have to sing the song.
1: (laughs) I, I, I use my fingers to count. Love, joy, peace, patience. Goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self control. But Lynn says I get those ones in the middle backwards.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think God well, we on. have translation
0: yeah. issues when we get to our age, too, right? It's like, which translation is <laughs> right? So that's good. I just love the word of God, though, and how it just gives us like the tools here. Here's how you do that. This is what it looks like to restore that child person gently by using these fruits of the spirit. Mm-hmm. So yeah,
1: and I this part about watching that you might not yourself be tempted. I mean, I'm imagining parents who are learning these things and and I'm going into correction and I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna work really hard to do the fruit of the spirit with my kids when I correct them. <laughs> I'm gonna do it. And then it's going to be effective for a little bit, but then my child pushes back and they hook me somehow. And I feel, I feel angered and I feel frustrated and I feel impatient that my method isn't working anymore. And what I realize is that that, that's really an example of yielding to temptation right there, because now I'm using the dispensation of God's grace through through the spirit in my kid's life as a tool to get them to behave the way I want them to, as opposed to an example of something I'd love them to look into and be open to and be responsive to. So I yield to the temptation, be careful lest you not be tempted to use this as a method to get behavior. Mm -hmm. It's not a method to get behavior. It's a means of dispensing God's grace to a struggling, misbehaving, in-need-of-correction human being. Mm
0: -hmm. And this is about your own relationship, I mean, I've often said, this is about how I want to be more like Jesus. No matter how my kids are acting, no matter what's going on around me, this mm-hmm. is about me yep. and my obedience to God for how I'm operating in this fruits of the spirit and showing up. Mm-hmm. It's not just and then the byproduct of that is I'm modeling a life of the spirit. Mm-hmm. I'm modeling submission to the Lord and putting my sin aside and choosing the right way and hopefully in a way that attracts them to life with Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. And
1: what I want to be careful about, because I know sometimes people hear this and they're like, well, then so should I just let my child keep pushing me and disrespecting me and you know, being graceful and mm. not, not putting consequences in place? And the answer is no. The, the, the issue isn't about whether or not to put consequences in place. The issue is what's your motive for doing that? Is your motive for doing that a spirit led inclination that this is what a child needs in order to learn wisdom? Or is the motivation, I'm getting frustrated right now and I don't know what else to do. And so I'm going to do this tough thing that will curb this behavior for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Sometimes parents do that. They have to because they don't know what else to do. And then they revisit it later. And it's a process of, of learning and growing. And But it's really all about being aware of taking thoughts captive to Christ's obedience as we learn and grow in this process of disciplining our children in ways that connect with their heart.
0: That's good. And so then as we are walking that through, Lynn, what do we hope the result will be?
2: Well, it's, it, this has been a good challenge of just digging through scripture and really thinking that through, but it really does. It starts with godly sorrow, you know, as much as we want to give grace and encouragement when our child is struggling, there is an element that's that it just starts with godly sorrow for the moment. All discipline seems not to be pleasant, but painful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness, and that's Hebrew twelve eleven. And if you look in the concordance, this word "painful" is overwhelmingly used for sorrow and grief, not physical pain. So it's about godly sorrow. That and then the Second Corinthians seven one says, "Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret." but worldly sorrow brings death. So you kind of Mm -hmm. sense the difference between going through that process to an end of grace versus just Mm -hmm. staying stuck in shame. That's that first part of what we teach about discipline is helping kids understand the natural impact of what they've done. That's that godly sorrow. But then moving towards restoration, like we talked about, and the scripture that we use for that is Matthew 5, 23 and 24 and Matthew 18 about becomes your first priority to restore a broken relationship and then that last step and is just the refreshing that comes when that's part of it. So I'm sad because I realize what I've done and the natural impact. But then, as I as I think it through, I want to restore with the person that I've that I've hurt. And then there's such refreshing that comes from that. Mm-hmm. Repent and turn to God, so your sins may be wiped out. That times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Acts three nineteen. So there's sort of that flow of godly sorrow, restoration. If we don't get to that refreshing part, we've missed the wonderful grace of God in these messy moments of family life.
1: Yeah, I'm really captivated by, by this whole way of thinking in, even in new ways as we get older and think about it. And this idea of godly sorrow just so much more about internal struggling and wrestling and grief and remorse and you know these kinds of things versus worldly sorrow, which really is a shameful. You mm-hmm. did bad. It's a bad thing. You should not do that. And then and then the people who are being disciplined with worldly sorrow, you know, feel bad about themselves and feel like they're they're you know they they can't ever measure up. And that it says leads to death. That's a hard truth, actually, for us to to swallow. But then the question becomes, how do we then guide our kids to learn, grow, experience this, this godly sorrow, which is truly, I'm remorseful about what I did. And, I, and then I want to make it right. So often the way that parents deal with their children leads to a fashion of sorrow that makes the kids not want to get caught doing that in front of mom and dad again. Mm-hmm. It's not about the behavior. It's not about wisdom. It's not about character growth and, and growing in the fruit of the spirit, even themselves. It's about mom or dad are mad at me. And that makes me feel bad. And I don't want to feel bad like this anymore. And so I won't do that thing until they're not looking. Or in a way that that I might get caught and we talked to lots of grown people who are just like I'm just always afraid to to do stuff for fear it might not be right and I feel like that's a fashion of this worldly sorrow
0: So speak to how parents can flip that because you read second Corinthians 7:1 Godly sorrow brings repentance and I think that you know I can hear a parent saying my child's not sorry they're not sorry they right. don't want to change which is what you just described so, how can, a, how can a parent's response bring godly sorrow? I don't know if that's even the right question because I feel like sure. the, the Holy Spirit is the one that brings sorrow exactly. and repentance so yeah. speak Again, to the parents' role when they want to flip that
1: yeah keeping in mind that what we're what we're hoping to do is cultivate in our kids an eye a watchful eye for true conviction of the Holy Spirit and then and then response to that. The most important thing is my example, the example Mm -hmm. that I set and the way that I verbalize how I'm going through my own process. I just got a a message or I just saw a thing from a parent today. I don't want to take the time right now to try to dig it up, but it was a parent who basically realized she didn't like what she had done. Mm -hmm. She stopped and she said, I want to do that again. I I have been parenting you in shame. I've been dishonoring you as a human being. And I feel awful about that. And she cried in front of her son about godly sorrow of her sin towards her son. And she confessed to him and asked for forgiveness and then said, Mm -hmm. could I do this again? And then she brought a whole different way of addressing the misbehavior at hand in a way that that opened the child's heart for some instruction about it. I don't know that the child became immediately repentant and got on their knees before God and said, God, I'm so sorry, please forgive me. But there was a little seed sown in, in a way that hopefully can grow, could land on the, that child's spirit and their experience of this.
0: So parents' humility mm-hmm. to say out loud their own failures and ask for do-overs.
2: So I talked with a parent who had a very mutually forgiving, con- confessing, forgiving relationship with that parent's child. The other parent never apologized. And so the child never apologized to that parent as well so it was clear that they were learning that the value and the skills for repentance from the parent that did it and modeled it in their relationship mm-hmm. and so i think that that's just such an important element after that kind of that step of teaching your kids the gospel and about sin and salvation and the beauty of reconciliation with god and then modeling it as a second element
1: Offered just to make this as practical as possible is that when your kids have misbehaved and you want to put some corrective measures in place, as we believe we're called to do as parents, that you consider how to put consequences in place that invite and compel your children to make right what they've made wrong to restore. And, you know, there's there's parents will often say, well, yeah, I tell them to say they're sorry. Um, And then kids go say they're sorry because they want to say sorry to get on with life. That's that's getting there. That's on the right track. But if they just say it in order to get on with life, that's probably not repentance or sorrow or true remorse. That's
2: uh, washing the outside of the coat.
1: Yeah, that's a matter of expedience to get on with life. So are you ready to Say you're sorry? And is the person you're saying sorry to convinced that you're sorry? And let's move toward reconciliation. You messed up some things and left them in a way that, that caused me to take some extra time to clean it up and get ready for guests. And so making it right might involve, you know, cleaning up a couple of extra things in, in help of me before you get to have the stuff that I cleaned up when you left the mess. You know, it's just this creative way that, and we learn parents when they become dependent on God, like, God, give me wisdom about how to. To compel or invite my children to make right what they've made wrong. Your story after story of parents who just can hardly believe sometimes how quickly their kids, who they tell us aren't remorseful, learn to become remorseful by being given the opportunity to have these experiences.
2: And having the whole action of reconciliation really valued in the home. Yeah, Is that esteemed? Is that a joy producer? Is that a shame reliever? or is correction a shame inducer. And that's Mm -hmm. just a really important distinction.
0: And it starts with our foundation of understanding who I am, that I am a person who sins, but I am a saint. So I am receiving God's truth, and then God's grace for myself so that I can pass it on to my kids. And that looks like speaking to them through the fruits of the Spirit, coming to restore them gently because the great grace i have been given i want to pour out on my child and so then when i come to them in that moment they don't need to fight back and defend and you know like and dig in their heels and all those things then we have created fertile ground for the holy spirit to come in and be the louder voice than my voice and do the work his work
2: yes amen
0: Jim and Lynn, it's always fun to come together to the microphone. And today was important for the three of us, but also for our organization. We really wanted to talk about this gospel in the framework and go through it. In part one, we did the first three layers. Today, we did the third. Correct. You are responsible for your actions. So thanks for being with me today. Thank you, It was great.
1: uh, It's a deep conversation and we just (laughs) touched the surface, but we're glad to anybody who's listened this far. Yeah. Thanks yeah, for joining for sure.
0: us. Sure. Thanks for tuning in today friends. If you have been inspired by today's podcast or other connected families resources, we invite you to join the team of families who are paying it forward. A gift of $25 will cover your own equipping for the year and a gift for $50 will pay it forward to another family. Thank you for tuning in and for considering a year-end gift to connected families. Well, for more information about Connected Families, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or on our website, connectedfamilies.org. I will see you next time.